be held opinions of any kind. They remained a mystery around the offices of Feathercombs Incorporated. It was felt he could be fired without damage to morale. Shortly after nine o'clock on the morning of the 24th, the president of Feathercombs heard a disturbance outside his office, where a quick-witted girl had been positioned to filter out creditors and tax inspectors. A male voice spoke with urgency that scaled rapidly to anger. The intercom on the president's desk buzzed and buzzed again. He heard a chime of glass breaking. It sounded like a telephone when you slammed down the receiver. Before the president could rise from his chair to see what the matter was, my grandfather muscled into the room. He brandished a black handset, in those days a blunt instrument, that trailed three feet of frayed cord. Back in the late 1930s, when he wasn't hustling pool, my grandfather had put himself through four years at Drexel Tech by delivering pianos for Wanamaker's department store. His shoulders spanned the doorway. His kinky hair, escaped from its daily paste-down of brill cream, wobbled atop his head. His face was so flushed with blood that he looked sunburned. I never saw anyone so angry, an eyewitness told the news. You could almost smell smoke coming off him. For his part, the president of Feathercombs was astonished to discover that he had approved the firing of a maniac. What's this about? he said. It was a pointless question, and my grandfather disdained to answer it. He was opposed to stating the obvious. Most of the questions people asked you, he felt, were there to fill up dead space curtail your movements, divert your energy and attention. Anyway, my grandfather and his emotions were never really on speaking terms. He took hold of the frayed end of the telephone cord. He wound it twice around his left hand. The president tried to stand up, but his legs got tangled in the knee hole of his desk. His chair shot out from under him and toppled over, casters rattling. He screamed. It was a fruity sound halfway to a yodel. As my grandfather fell on top of him, the president twisted himself toward the window overlooking East 57th Street. He just had time to notice that passers-by seemed to be crowding together on the sidewalk below. My grandfather looped the cord of the handset around the president's throat. He had maybe two minutes before the rocket of his anger burned up its fuel and fell back to earth. That would be ample time. During World War II, he had been trained in the use of a garret. He knew that, done properly, strangulation was short work. Oh, my God, said the secretary, Miss Mangle, making a late appearance on the scene. She had reacted quickly when my grandfather burst into her office, smelling, she would recall afterward, like wood smoke. She had managed to buzz twice before my grandfather grabbed the handset away from her. He picked up the intercom. He yanked the handset cord from the base. You'll have to pay for that, Miss Mangle said. When he told this story 32 years later, my grandfather put a check mark of admiration beside Miss Mangle's name. But with his rocket only halfway up the slope of its parabola, he took her words as provocation. He threw the base of the intercom out the window of Miss Mangle's office. The chiming noted by the president was the sound of the intercom sailing through a spider web of glass into the street. Hearing a cry of 
outrage from below, Miss Mangle went to the window to look. Down on the sidewalk, a man in a gray suit was sitting looking up at her. There was blood on the left lens of his round spectacles. He was laughing. People stopped to help him. The doorman announced that he was going to call the police. That was when Miss Mangle heard her boss screaming. She turned from the window to run into his office. At first glance, the office appeared to be empty. Then she heard the tap of a shoe against a linoleum floor. A tap. Another tap. The back of my grandfather's head rose from behind the desk, then sank again. Brave Miss Mangle went around the desk. Her boss lay sprawled on his belly on the polished floor. My grandfather straddled his back, hunched forward, applying the impromptu garret. The president bucked and thrashed and tried to roll himself over. The only sound was the toes of his cordovan bucks trying to get purchase against...